Hello and welcome to episode six of Tourist of the Universe. My name is Ashley Monk, and this is the long-awaited episode for questions and answers on past lives. So this is part three of the past life memory series. And I'm really excited to get to these today. Some of your questions were really great. Um, part of the reason that it's taken so long for me to... <laughs> Uh, get this out is because there's so much road construction that's happening right outside my house. Um, There hasn't been really a day that's been quiet where you couldn't hear something going on in the background. And so there's, there's still construction going on in my house. But I did find that if I'm in my kid's room in the bunk bed with all the blankets around me, you can't hear the road noise. So if you do hear road noise, I'm, I'm hoping you don't. But if you do, just, no, sorry, I, I can't edit it out. I'm not that fancy. So am I recording sitting cross-legged on a kid's bunk bed surrounded by unicorn stuffed animals? Yes, I am. So I've thought a lot about how I wanted to format this episode. And I think the easiest way to do that, to get all of the information across that I, I want to get across, is just going to be for me to read the question and then answer the question uh, with my own personal stories or with information that I've heard. So um, a lot of this is going to kind of be a mix of stuff I've heard versus what I've actually experienced mixed in with personal opinion. So just like any episode or anything when it comes to spiritual concepts, um, keep what feels right and toss what doesn't. So you don't have to believe everything that you hear in this podcast. Um keep what resonates, toss what doesn't. So on that note, let's dive in and get into our first question. Uh, The first question is, how can you tap into and access past life memories? So that's a great question to get us started. There are several ways to access past life memories. Um, One of the most common ways is through what's called past life regressions. And that's essentially being put in a state of hypnosis, uh, where you can then, in theory, access the unconscious mind, which is where it is said your past life memories are stored. If you have read the book Journey of Souls, uh, the author of that book, a lot of the material from that book comes from him doing past life regressions or putting people into a hypnosis and walking them through what they remember experiencing in their past lives. Now, it is a little bit of a controversial way to do that because it is seen as unreliable. And the reason it's seen as unreliable is because the way the unconscious or subconscious mind works, in the state of hypnosis, there's theories that Sometimes you can be remembering a legitimate event, but also your brain can kind of put things together and build and create its own memory, and it would essentially be a false memory. So there's a a famous case, or one of the most well-known cases, was this woman who was put under a state of hypnosis, and the, the hypnotist was kind of brand new at hypnosis. And when she was under hypnosis, she like assumed this entirely different identity of a woman from Ireland. And it was like in the 19th century. And 
she started speaking in a British accent and she started spouting all of these details about her life in this period of time in the 19th century. And the the hypnotist did write a book on this and it and the case was studied and when they dug deeper into her story they found that she had a neighbor that was from that area. So there was the thought that well some of these facts that she's saying can be attributed to the fact that she had a neighbor from that area and she could have just gathered some of that information from hearing stories from her neighbor and stored it in her unconscious mind. And then when she was put in hypnosis, she was accessing essentially false memories. That being said, there's also people who have done past life regressions where the information can be validated. And it is something where it'd be kind of hard to argue (laughs) that it was a false memory. So there's just some controversy around past life regressions. Uh, There's a lot of people that I know who have done them, and it's been really a healing experience for them. I personally have never done one, though. I think when it comes to getting a past life regression, it's one of those things where if you feel drawn to do that, then go do that. For me, I've been curious, but not curious enough to actually go and get it done. So I do have, you know, one of my really good friends does past life regression. It's just not something that I have felt drawn to do for whatever reason. That being said, if you are curious, go for it. I mean, there's even uh, videos on YouTube where they'll walk you through a meditation to get you into that hypnosis and into that state where you can access those memories. So If you don't want to spend $200 to go see uh, someone and get a past life regression, just go on YouTube. There are uh, several different meditations that put you in um, that hypnotic state and help you to access that part of your mind. That being said, just be aware that when when you do it yourself, you don't have someone guiding you. So if you come across something that is upsetting, uh, the... The good part about doing it with a practitioner is you have someone who is there helping you and essentially trained to help you get through difficult experiences and walk you through those. So there's pluses and minuses to having a practitioner do it or just doing it yourself. Um, I personally, though, haven't done one. I don't know that I ever will. Um, There's other ways that you can access past life memories And let's talk about those. The next one is automatic writing. Now, automatic writing is basically taking a piece of paper or journal and a pen and getting into a state where you are channeling. Now, you can be channeling your higher self. It is allowing your higher self or your spirit guides or spirits in general to guide you in moving the pen. So automatic writing is putting yourself in a state to channel information. Now, if you listen to the last episode, Christina, uh, that's how she uh, originally started getting into touch with her past life memories. Now, she did the automatic writing. She went to places that 
really lined up with what information she was getting. And then when I did her past life reading, which is another way that you can get um, past life information, um, everything lined up. So there were a lot of validations uh, to show that when she did automatic writing, it did give her the information that I don't even know that she was really looking for it, but that's how she got the information. Automatic writing in general has a really fascinating history. It it started to become more popular in the mid-1800s with the rise of spiritualism and mediums and people getting into trance states and doing seances. And, and so it does have a lot of history there, but it also has a lot of history with creatives in general because automatic writing isn't really just limited to a piece of paper and a pen. A lot of times automatic writing is used when artists say that they if they create a painting and it's a masterpiece and they felt like they were in this trance state and it just came like all of the the colors and everything just came together and they just were in the state of flow uh that can be considered a very similar thing to automatic writing it's just a different um piece of their pen is a paintbrush uh it can also be uh writers a lot of writers when they say you know, the, the book wrote itself. Um, and there's even a lot of um, stories or cases of people, like famous writers, saying that the the book wrote itself, they were in this state of flow, and it just, the information came. So whether you want to attribute that to them channeling their higher self or spirit guides, um, I think for me, automatic writing is really just getting into a state of flow where you are very in touch and connected to your higher self. Now, if you have questions on what is the higher self, if you go back to episode two of my podcast titled God, Birds, and the Higher Self, it does go into concepts of the higher self. Uh, So in this case, in talking about automatic writing with the higher self, that can be your greater consciousness, your higher consciousness. It can be your connection to divinity in general or source or God or just this higher state um, as opposed to your normal state. So very super connected. A lot of times it is very right brain. So that creative side of your brain lighting up. And, and that's also kind of when you're in the state of hypnosis and you have a lot of visuals, a lot of that is going to be right brain activity. So it's activating that right side of your brain. Now, the concept of the higher self actually comes into play in in past lives in this discussion. Uh, so this is kind of a tangent. But when people ask whether or not someone um, is reincarnated, like as a medium, you connect with deceased people, but what if they've already reincarnated and they're already on earth again? So can you just not connect with them or do you know that they've reincarnated? Uh, and the answer to that is your higher self always stays behind. So essentially you have this super consciousness and your body and what fits in your body right now is a very small part of that consciousness. And this goes into a rabbit hole in that you can exist in multiple places at the same time and you're still connected to this 
super consciousness of the higher self. So if somebody has died and reincarnated, their higher self still has the connection and contains that information for all of their lives. So if somebody dies and then reincarnates, the higher self is going to contain the information for the life where the person has died already, but also the life for that they're currently living in their reincarnation. So the higher self is your whole self, and you in your existence right now are a small part of your whole self. So when you connect to your higher self, you're connecting to your super all-knowing consciousness that contains all of the information about you from all of your different lives and all of your different experiences and all of your different divine connections. Uh, as far as going back to the topic of automatic writing and reliability, uh, just like any other method, uh, you're going to find that there have been stories where things have been validated and it's been shown that, yeah, this is a valid information that came from automatic writing. And there are, just like everything else, stories that show that, you know, it's unreliable. So that being said, you always just kind of want to wear your logic hat when you're deciphering the information. And this is also where discernment comes in handy. And I'll probably have to do an episode on discernment because uh, when it comes to deciphering whether something is legitimate or false, uh, logic and discernment are really helpful. And discernment is the combination of your logic hat and your intuition hat working very much together. That being said... When it comes to logic, just understand as your awareness of the universe grows and you continue to awaken to these bigger, greater concepts, what was once illogical can become logical. And that's why you need intuition. And so your logic and your intuition work together throughout your growth and awareness process so that things that really didn't make sense before can make sense later. And the two work in balance with each other. Okay, so back to methods in how to access past life memories. There are people that study this, um, and I can't remember the name of the university, but there is a university and people on staff there that do study past life experiences, past life regression, all of the different ways that people come up with past life memories. And according to them and the studies, the most reliable methods for accessing past life memories are actually, I don't know if you would even consider them to be methods, but spontaneous remembering where you just all of a sudden remember a past life, or dreams, where you dream about scenarios from other lives and, and they seem very familiar. Uh, so those two methods or ways of accessing, uh, according to the research, are the most reliable. Spontaneous remembering is probably... I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I've i only recently in the last year really had spontaneous remembering. And if you listen to my first episode on past life memories, 
I talk a little bit about how I'd had feelings and impressions and different things that suggested I'd existed in another time. And then I had a past life reading that confirmed that my feelings about things were accurate. And so having those feelings can be considered spontaneous remembering in a way. But what actually got me to record that episode on past life memories was essentially a spontaneous remembering. And I I didn't talk about it in that episode because I was still processing it a little bit. And I had way more stuff happen after that episode came out. If you follow me on Instagram, I did talk about these things a little bit in two different journal entries. Um, One of the journal entries is talking about my feelings of being unsettled and finding a home. And then the second one is called Hi Dead Me. (laughs) (laughs) because um, I may or may not have found dead me. What actually motivated me to create that first episode on past life memories was I'd had a moment of spontaneous remembering, and I was trying to process it, and I had all of these feelings coming up about past life information and connecting dots and I kept continuing to have these moments of remembering that were kind of mind-boggling. And so that spurred the creation of that episode. But after that episode came out, I I continued to have experiences. And I've had experiences throughout the year. And so uh, it's story time, uh, which is my favorite time. So this story starts when I first moved to where I live right now. Now, we moved here in... I want to say, I think it was, I think we actually moved in in February, but we signed the lease in January or something like that. So um, January, February, we move into this new place. And in theory, it it was a great, it, it is a great location. There's a lot of things that are really convenient about it. My my daughter's school is just across the street, uh, so she walks across the street and goes through the playground to get to school, so that's really convenient. Um, it's nice because we have a backyard, whereas the last place that we lived, it was an apartment building, and we didn't have a backyard, and so there's you know, other people walking their dogs and not cleaning up after your dogs, and I could never step in grass <laughs> and trust that the grass was clean, and here we have a back. A backyard, a big tree, I could have a garden. There were all of these positive things about where I live now. And yet I found it so hard to settle here. I really just felt very, very unsettled. Now the other interesting thing is that I, so I live in Woods Cross and Woods Cross is named after Daniel Wood. And Daniel Wood is my, I think he's my sixth great-grandfather. And so when I drive to Costco, <laughs> if, you, if you've ever been to Bountiful Costco and you've driven on State Street, then you know that there's this little tiny cemetery. And in that tiny cemetery is Daniel Wood and many of his wives and some of his children. And that is my sixth great grandfather. So when I drive to Costco, I drive past my dead ancestors. Now, I did not grow up in Utah, and so I do think it's interesting that I didn't grow up in Utah. I didn't even plan my life necessarily around where to live in Utah. Like the circumstances that 
opened up for us to live where we are now had nothing to do with me and my ancestry from an outside perspective. It's just that's how things worked. My husband got a job up north. We needed to move up north. And Woods Cross was it. And Woods Cross also happens to be uh, where my sixth great-grandfather originally settled. You'd think that like living on the land that my ancestors once really lived on, you'd think that maybe I'd feel some sort of comfort or connection. But it was quite the opposite. I really just had the hardest time settling here. And there were different things that happened in the home that really didn't help. (laughs) And so, uh, but I still was going to make an effort. I really wanted to make an effort to love it here because who doesn't want to love, you know, where where they live. And so I would, I started taking walks around the neighborhood to just try to connect with the neighborhood. Maybe I'd get to know some neighbors. Maybe I'd feel good being outside. Just in general, I was trying to connect to the land and it's like I couldn't. <laughs> I I couldn't connect with it for, for whatever reason. And so there was this one afternoon where I was walking. And I, so I'm walking down the street. And because I was having such trouble connecting, I myself connected to like my higher self. What I do when I, when I get information before reading is that connection process. I I started doing that as I was walking and asking why, why am I having such a hard time settling here? Because normally, I mean, I can move all over the place. I have moved all over the place and I'm always able to settle somewhere where I am meant to settle. The only other time that I had a really hard time settling in was when we moved to Texas, and and Texas was just the bad place. (laughs) We just, Texas was not the place for us, so we ended up not staying in Texas and moving back to Utah. And that's the only time that I've ever really had a truly difficult time settling. So as I'm walking down the street and, and asking, you know, divine source, why am I having such a hard time settling here? Now, the response that I got was not what I expected. And I do want to preface this with if you happen to live in Woods Cross or Bountiful, I'm not going to tell you where I live because I don't want you to like be upset about the land that you live on or anything like that because I don't want to say that this is all of Woods Cross or this is all of this area. This happens to be the street that I live on, the area that I'm in not the whole place. I don't want this to be upsetting because I, I know that a lot of my listeners do live in Utah. So if you live around this area, this is, I, this is me and my experience. Not necessarily something that, that you need to now think about with your own homes. So the images that I saw was as I was walking on the sidewalk. It's like below my feet, there was this black substance below the soil and that was essentially trauma that had been experienced on the soil and and as I'm walking I'm getting images of uh, Native American families um, like children mothers happy you know I'm, I'm not too far from a water source I mean I I just kept getting 
really peaceful family vibes. Like this was um, a place where families of Native Americans had been. And then I saw a massacre. And it was awful. And so essentially what I saw was the land that I was on, I was having trouble connecting to it because the land that I was living on had essentially been stolen. Now, uh, that, that obviously wasn't a super pleasant experience. What does that have to do with past life stuff? This is kind of one of those stories where there's a lot of different pieces that uh, I'm going to try and use to create a bigger picture to explain the spontaneous remembering and, and put that in context. So this is a, a tangent, but not. Now, at the time that this was happening, astrologically, there was something... I can't remember what the planets were. I can't remember what the exact scenario was. But one of my favorite astrologers was saying that the astrological weather that was happening was going to cause you to uh, make progress in your soul progress, to remember things from past lives that need to be resolved now, just all of these different things that will contribute to you being able to remember parts of past lives and where it associates with your current life now and things that you need to change in your current life now to resolve anything in your soul that needs to be resolved was the gist of it. Now the other thing that was happening was that was when both my husband and I decided that we wanted to remove our names from the LDS church and it actually I can't remember if this was before or after I had that moment walking down the street. I, I think it was after, but it, it wasn't really related to that experience. That was a separate experience. So this is a lot of different things going on at the same time. So we decided that we were going to remove our names from the LDS church. Now for me, it did feel like a full circle moment because the reason that my ancestors settled this land to begin with was because they were a part of the Mormon pioneers. And so they came out west and because of church, this is where they settled. And so it kind of felt poetic that, you know, I, I'd lived all of these places in the world as a member of the church and uh, the place that I decided to end my membership is really where my family uh, starts in the church and, and is really fully established in the church. So the, the city where it started is also the place where my line, for me, ended um, membership in that church. Now, if you listen back to the first uh, episode of Past Life Memories series, I talk about how uh my past life, I do believe that I was a Mormon pioneer. I don't believe it was in the same line that I am right now. So that goes into answering someone else asked a question if you're always like reincarnated in the same family line. And the answer to that is no, you reincarnate, you reincarnate all over the place. Um, but the body that you're in in this life uh, contains the DNA of your ancestors this time. So um, your ancestors essentially are your ancestors for this incarnation, not necessarily every incarnation. 
that being said, do people reincarnate in the same lines? Yeah, sometimes they do, but not every, not all the time. Um, sometimes you can't hop around. So if you listen to my um, the first episode on past lives, I do believe that I was a pioneer in the last in one of my last lives, and um, in that story. And what I'd got gathered from just my own feelings and um, past life readings was that I had um, joined the church essentially because of my husband and moved out west and that I actually didn't want to go, but I didn't have, um, I didn't use my voice. I, I didn't, I didn't say no. I went because... I was um, being loyal to the person that I was married to or the person that I loved or whatever that case was. Um, I also uh, died young, um, if you listen to that episode. Also, um, I'd felt that I died when I'd gotten to the valley and then the past life reading that I got also said that, yes, I had died not long after uh, getting to Utah. So that being said, um, it felt like a parallel uh, for a past life thing too, because instead of going along with, you know, the religion out of duty or you know, all of the different reasons that people stay in religion. Um, and, and I'd also been told that uh, you know, in past life readings, that aside from learning to use my voice, I was overcoming dogmatic beliefs that I'd had several lives where I, I was very stuck in dogmatic belief patterns, which, you know, you need to outgrow in order to progress, essentially. And so when I put my names, my name in to be removed, it felt like I was also closing a chapter of karma or closing a chapter of soul growth. So uh, it was me establishing myself as a sovereign being and saying, you know, I've exited this, this dogmatic pattern that I've had, you know, life after life. And I have um, reclaimed my sovereignty because in, you know, in that life, I I went out west, even though I didn't want to, and left a home that I didn't want to leave. And I did it for a religion. And I did it because I was married to somebody and because I didn't have um, a voice. And, and this time it was, you know, I'm, I'm putting an end to that. And I'm leaving that, that source of struggle. Not just for this life, but for like another life. Which also brings up another topic of why do we reincarnate? And one of the reasons that we come back is, you know, one life is a really short time to learn all the things and we do progress eternally. And so if we want to progress eternally and overcome lessons that we didn't learn in one life, then we come back in another to continue learning to give us another opportunity to progress. And so it really just felt like this full circle moment of closing a book on a soul lesson that I'd been trying to learn for a long, long time. 
not just this life, but other lives before. And so astrologically, it kind of fit. Um, but I do think, I think I found out about the astrological stuff later where I was just, it was validation for me that, um, I wasn't just making it up in my head. Um, so stay with me here. I'm going to introduce another aspect of this story. Again, we'll come full circle later on, but here's another aspect of this story. My friend Megan is like the friend that I text all the weird things to. Like if I have a a weird experience that I haven't ever had before, or there's some type of spiritual concept or some type of aha moment that I just want to run through another neurodivergent individual (laughs) like myself, I will run it through Megan. And so I'll send her a text message or, and we message on Instagram Um, and, and I'll let her know, Hey, this is what happened. What do you think? And then she, you know, she lets me know what she thinks. And we kind of do the same for each other. So when she has stuff happen, she messages me when I have stuff happen, I message her. And so, uh, the night, I don't know if it was the night before I went on a walk around the neighborhood or if it was a few nights before, but after I had removed my or submitted my name to be removed from the church. Um, it was just a few days after that, that I was having these feelings of coming full circle and putting something to rest and reclaiming myself and like just in this process of reclaiming reclamation. And so, uh, I, I was sitting on the couch and this was the night before I recorded the episode, the first episode. I was sitting on the couch, just kind of in my zone. And I had this image of, you were from New York. Like, like I had this, well, not just, not an image, but I had like a, this feeling. Like, you were from New York. It was New York. And this is where in New York. And I saw this shape of a body of water and... Um, just in general, like a shape of an area in New York. And, and then I pulled out a map and I'm like looking at this map of New York and I'm looking for this shape and I hear like it, it's West, you got to go more West. And so I'm like, well, Mormons started in Western New York. So duh, like, of course it'd be Western New York, but like when I went over to the area where Mormonism started, it was like, no, it's not that area. You need to go over here to the right. And so I go over here to the right and there's this, um, there is a body of water and there's what I saw in my brain and in my mind, an area just outside Syracuse. And then this, yep, that is where you are from. Referring to the past life, the life where um, I crossed the plains as a Mormon pioneer, that I was from this area outside Syracuse, New York. And so I thought it was interesting that I had the shape of the area in my mind, knowing that I don't know anything about New York geography or bodies of water or anything like that that's in that area. Um, but I had the shape come to my mind. I pull out a map. I look at the map and I hear go right. And then I find that shape. 
and I find that it's outside Syracuse, New York. And so because it's weird, obviously, I have to text Megan and tell her, like, this is super weird. This is what happened to me. But like, I feel like this is where I was from in that life. And uh, so we, you know, text back and forth about that. I record the episode the next day. Um, and then it must have been after that, that I, I took the walk around the neighborhood. Now, at this point, as I'm walking around the neighborhood and, and uh, I've texted Megan what's happened uh, the night before, in general, I'd already talked to Megan about a whole lot of things that I'd uh, felt or remembered about this particular past life as a Mormon pioneer. So she's very up to speed and up to date in what I've said and different things that I'd felt and very in the know about it. So I'm I'm walking through the neighborhood um, that day where I just get, you know, images of massacre and, and trauma in the soil. Um, and so I turn left. I walk down the street, I cross the street, walk down a little bit more, cross another street, I come to a park, and in this park is a cemetery. Now, um, I think it's fairly common <laughs> for people to see old cemeteries and think, that's so cool, right? I mean, old cemeteries are cool. I know it's not just me. Lots of people think old cemeteries are cool. If you don't think old cemeteries are cool, that's fine too, but... For me, I love a good old cemetery. Um, but this cemetery had heavier vibes. And it was a very small cemetery. And I'd driven by it before. In fact, I used to live in Bountiful like five years ago. And there were a couple of times when I lived in Bountiful where I ended up in this neck of the woods. And I drove past that um, that cemetery a few times. I actually didn't realize it was a cemetery, though, because it it has an old cabin in it. I'd seen the old cabin, but I didn't see that there were headstones next to the old cabin. So here I was thinking, you know, I'm going to go see the old cabin that's at the park, not realizing that next to the cabin is a cemetery. So I come across a small cemetery. So the vibes were kind of heavy in the cemetery, and so I'm walking up to it, and I see farther to the left there is this rock monument. Now it's just a bunch of rocks that have been cemented together to form some type of pillar-like structure, and it's got markers on it. There's markers, a marker on the front and on the back of this monument. So I I look at the back of it. You can't really read anything because the weather has washed it out because it's so old. And so I go around um, to the front and keep in mind, I am outside the gate. I am not in the gate um, of the cemetery. This is me looking from afar. And so I can see the plaque on the front of the monument. And it says essentially that that was marking the grave of several Native Americans And the way that it was worded was like this was the result of, you know, pioneers and uh, Indians, um, you know, and everything that happened as a result of the conquering of the West. So in this cemetery, we have 
Native Americans, multiple, with one marker. And then there are, um, I, I think there's three, or, or there, there's four, three or four headstones for pioneers that were Mormon pioneers. And um, the way that the marker was worded for the Native American um, burial plots just felt so wrong. <laughs> like, it made it sound so friendly. Like, oh, you know, everybody's friends here, the, the pioneers and the Native Americans, and this is just a result of, you know, the conquering of the West. Um, but after having walked through the neighborhood and felt trauma on the soil and seen a massacre in my mind, like, and felt like it had something to do with some kind of a massacre coming over to this headstone or this monument, um, just the heaviness around it, um, was palpable and it felt like, uh, almost like justice wasn't served, like a headstone didn't fix anything. And um, so I had to take a moment to just kind of almost apologize because it, you know, um, I, I felt like I was, even though I wasn't a part of that, it almost felt like I was a part of that just because of my heritage, not saying that my ancestors are the ones that caused any massacre or did anything, but when the the Mormon people came to Utah, it did displace um, several, I mean, it, it, it caused tribes to really struggle. There was a lot of suffering that happened with the Native Americans. There's a lot of really, really terrible history. Uh, and so it it made it more real. It made the experience of why I was having trouble settling in my house also more real. Here I was, two blocks from my house, staring at the marker of multiple Native American graves, and those Native Americans had lost their lives, essentially defending their homeland. Um, I went home and I googled this is taking a different um, tangent briefly Uh, I did go home afterwards and google who was buried there Um, and in general if I could find any information on the Native Americans that were buried there there, I couldn't find any names but I did find that it it was a, a battle that happened in the Bountiful area and that's who was buried there were Native Americans involved in that battle. So they did essentially lose their lives in a massacre. So after taking a minute and, you know, apologizing, just kind of standing in the heaviness uh, in front of that monument, um, I, I did, my attention was drawn to one headstone in particular in the corner of the cemetery. And so I walk over... Um, and I try and get in front of, as, as close to that headstone that was drawing me in as I could. Um, but because it was over the fence and kind of far away, I wasn't able to see who was buried there. Um, I just felt this pull though. Like I needed to see who was buried there. I need to see who's buried there. So I, I text Megan and I sent her a picture of 
the cemetery and there's this fence around the cemetery and I tell her, you know, hey, look, this old cemetery that I found, there's this headstone here that, and I'm really like drawn to it. I, I want to see who's buried there. Should I hop the fence? Like looking for permission to trespass. <laughs> and so, uh, of course she says, well, yeah, duh, hop the fence. So I hop the fence and I get closer to this headstone and the person that was buried in that place, her name was Eliza Beebe, and she was a Mormon pioneer. Now, I didn't know who Eliza Beebe was. All I knew that for whatever reason, I was drawn to that particular headstone to see who was buried there. And uh, so what I did was I took a picture of the headstone, and I walked home, and at that point, I had a lot of things that I was looking to Google. One, I wanted to Google um, what was, you know, who the Native Americans that were buried there, what were their circumstances. And two, who the heck is Eliza Beebe and why do I feel so pulled in to see who she is? Uh, and so all this whole time, I'm... I'm conversing with Megan via text and kind of giving her a play, a play by play. And so I Google Eliza Beebe. Now, Eliza Beebe, she was born in Casanova, New York, which is just outside Syracuse. Now, I, I didn't know that. I looked up on a map where Casanova, New York was, and it was in the shape that I saw in New York that was just outside Syracuse. So this person, Eliza Beebe, she was from that place that I felt like I was from. So that was interesting. And so I, I send that to Megan, like, oh, look, remember how I said I thought I was from this place? Well, this person looks like she was from that place too. Weird. And that was just kind of the beginning. So because... Um, the LDS people are journal keepers and are very into family history. It was not hard at all to find information on Eliza Beebe. Um, and so her story began where she was born in, in Casanova, New York. She was not, um, she did not join the LDS church when she was in New York. However, she was dating someone and did end up getting engaged to a man who did join the church. And he wanted to follow the saints out west. And so because she was engaged to him and wanted to follow him where he went, she followed him out west. And it was against the will of her parents, um, the family that she loved in general. It, there were several letters that showed just how much she really, really, truly loved her family and her home. And there was one part in the letter that said, you know, if this church isn't true, then it's something that we will find out together, meaning her and her husband would find out together. So she didn't say that she knew it was true. She said that she was following the person that she loved and they went out west and she left her family behind. Now, her parents uh, went on the record saying that they, um, they didn't approve. And so it, it did have this air of sadness in, in leaving a home that she loved um, to follow the man that she loved. 
and support him in what he believed. And there are several stories um, that, that document their journey out west. And they did uh, live in, in Nauvoo and Kirtland and, and all the places that Mormons settled along the way. Eliza Beebe was in every one of those. And then when she came, when they eventually got to the Salt Lake Valley, um, I mean, she'd had like five kids and two had died and she was only like like 32 or 33, so fairly young. And within a few months after arriving, she died. So uh, if you listen to my, my first past lives, past life memories episode, that's a lot of parallels from what I had remembered and felt and gotten in my own past life readings. Um, in my own past life reading and then in the things that I had felt already, I'd felt like I was a Mormon pioneer and I'd been told that I, I followed my husband because it was what he, he wanted to do. I told that there were, I was told that there were significant events that occurred in Kirtland, Ohio, which is partly why I recognized my grandfather-in-law because he, he was a part of whatever happened there. By the way, that's where she was actually married, I believe, to, um, to her husband, Eliza Beebe. I believe they were married in Kirtland, and that's where she actually was baptized. I think I'm and I could have the facts wrong. I mean, you can always Google it, but there were, there were several parallels. So each one of these parallels that I'm coming across, I'm texting Megan like, uh, yeah, so there's this parallel and yeah, there's this too and this too and this too. And even in the way that she died and the age at that age of 32, um, so she died of like this, it, like a, essentially a bacterial infection. Like you get a, like kind of like cellulitis, like where you get a cut and there's an infection, um, and it gets out of control. And, and that was part of the reason that she died and she had a brand new baby. I mean, it was really tragic circumstances. Um, anyway, at 32, that's when I had, um, my first baby, but I also, started to have these, um, these skin rashes and I would go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist was like, yeah, I mean, this is inflammation, but it wasn't eczema. It wasn't like dermatitis necessarily either. It was just like, this is weird. I got allergy tested for it. I had all of these things to try and figure out what was happening with my skin and, and nobody could really tell me. And then eventually, like around 36, it went away. Um, so I thought that was interesting that there, and it was just kind of like a, if you were to put our lives side by side, uh, some of the, th the, like, you know, at, at age 20 something, I had this happen. Well, she had this happen around that time too. So there was just a lot of parallels to her life and my life. And so I'm sitting on my couch and I am messaging back and forth, Megan, and my jaw is dropping even more and my eyes are getting wider. And I'm like, wait a second, it, 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 is this dead me? Is, is this past life me? 
because there's so many parallels that can't be ignored. And I had just this, uh, it's not a sinking feeling in a negative way. It was like a sinking feeling in a, there's some serious connection happening here. And with each play-by-play, you know, I've got someone else witnessing because she's she's heard my stories already before so it's like somebody validating like I'm not just making this up in my head like this is a parallel I talked to you about that this one time and and like she was remembering all of these things at the same time so to have somebody else validate that each parallel I was seeing I wasn't just making up in my head I'd talked about it already before Now, a side lesson from that is I highly recommend having a friend that you just run all your weird shit by. (laughs) Because then when you have moments like this, you have somebody else that's heard all the weird stuff before. And so it makes you feel a whole lot less crazy because you have validation. So side note, thanks, Megan, (laughs) for being that friend. And I spent the rest of the day kind of just really digging into Eliza Beebe. Like, who was she? What are these parallels? What does this mean? Why is this important? Do I really need to know this? Does this matter? And what happened was I I dug and I dug and I dug and I got all the stories that I could find. And I had more um, pretty significant parallels that I'm just not going to get into right now. Um, But then at the end of the day, did it matter? And I asked myself, does this matter? I mean, she's dead. And it, and then I was like, over it. It was like, this is how it felt. It was like the confirmation that I had indeed come full circle in my soul lessons of, you know, exiting the church and exiting dogmatic patterns of thinking and and all of these lessons that we talked, that I talked about previously. And then having, like feeling like when I removed my name from the church, that that was putting an end to something that was pretty significant, not just in my life, but in previous lives and in my family line, like I put an end to it by removing my name and then it was like having the a body to back that up like seeing the dead end this is it we have put this to an end and so it's like finding the body to solidify that ending I don't know if that makes any sense but that's how it felt like just yet another poetic ending to a very significant phase of my life, but it felt like not just this life, but previous also lives. And so at the end of the day, do I feel connected to Eliza Beebe? I, I actually don't. Uh, and like there was a brief moment where it's like these dots connected and I was like, oh my gosh, this is past life me. But then it's like, but you know what? It's not because that's not me anymore. Um, like I am no longer that kind of a person. Um, all of the changes that I have gone through over the last several years in my um, deconstruction and spiritual development and all of these things 
I'm no longer the same person that I was before. And so it's like with Eliza Beebe, does it, does it matter whether or not she was past life me? It, it doesn't. I don't feel like I have to know that for sure. Because she could also simply be somebody that lived a very similar life in a lot of ways. And there just happened to be a lot of parallels. Uh, either way, I, it's like I felt this connection and then everything died and was put to rest. And I have, and I'm just, I'm now just me. And I am now in this part of my life where I am reclaiming what I lost. Now, it does feel like I'm reclaiming what I lost in the previous life, though, too, which was, uh, you know, leaving home and family and all of the things that you love and sacrificing that for what someone else wanted. I feel like I am reclaiming that part of myself where now I am doing what I want and what I feel called to do rather than what someone else feels called to do. So there's still these parallels, but I don't feel like I have to know that Eliza Beebe was past me because she can still just be a symbol of dead me. Whether or not she actually is dead me to me doesn't really matter. It's uh, the timing of when I found her and her story lines up pretty significantly with me putting an ending to past me in, in this life. And so that gets into one of the other questions that was asked, which is, you know, do we really need to know past lives or is it helpful to know past lives? Why would this information be helpful? Why do people look at past lives for answers? Like, does any of this matter and can you live your life without knowing who you were before? And the answer is yes, you can live your life without knowing who you were before. There's a lot of reasons that uh, seeing who you were in your past life might be helpful. And so let's get into that. We're going to put my story aside and I'm going to kind of segue into the, this is how maybe this can apply in your life uh, and how this can help you in your life. Um, and so we're putting that story to rest, moving on. Why would being, uh, why would knowing past life information be helpful? One of those reasons is figuring out patterns in your life. So one of the common threads, I guess we will refer to my story. <laughs> I said, put it to rest, but yeah, we're probably not going to, um, one of the common things is figuring out the patterns um, of life that you keep living. Like what is the lesson that you keep needing to learn and keep coming back to learn? And what do we need to do in this life to make sure that you learn it? <laughs> so for me, uh, part of that is finding my voice and part of that has been um, sovereignty and not following what everybody else wants, but learning what I want to do and following my own heart and my own design and, and everything like that. So one of the common reasons that people look to uh, past life information is just to kind of see what patterns do we see here and where can I be aware or more aware 
of how to live intentionally so that I, I get this lesson taken care of. Uh, I think it's not uncommon for people to be like, oh, I do not want to reincarnate into this hellscape another time. So how do I learn the lesson so that I don't have to come back? Um, and so that's one reason. That being said, you, you don't have to ever come back if you don't want to come back. That's just a side note. Um, but one reason is people look to see what the patterns are in their lives and where they can um, correct where needed and be really effective also in their learning. Another reason is uh, trauma, where you can't you, you can't seem to find the source of trauma. So some people, you know, they have this kind of anxiety that's never been explainable. So if we look at the last episode with Christina, she'd always had this fear of being kidnapped. But she, there was like no reason that they could figure out why she was afraid of being kidnapped because it was just so out there. And, and different um, different fears that people have. I did one reading where the woman was, she'd always had trouble swallowing water. Like swallowing water was just, it was really hard for her to like be cool with water. Now we need water to survive. So that there was just um, a lot of question around why all this struggle around water. She had never had an accident around water. There wasn't anything to explain why she had trouble with water. Well, her past life reading, she had been tossed off a ship and had drowned. And so swallowing water was part of that drowning process. And so that was a trauma that she was, um, that she had carried into this life. And so knowing that helped her to work through that trauma and release that trauma and get to a place where she could swallow water. Like, and she could, like, not have such a traumatic relationship with water. Um, so trauma is another reason. Uh, sometimes there's relationships where people feel like they have these relationships with people. And there might they might be even unhealthy relationships. And they try and get insight into why they have these patterns in relationships and you go and you look in past lives and and they have several lives with this person and it kind of gives you insight into how you can heal your relationships or break codependent patterns there's there's a lot of different things that people um, will discover using their past life um, memories to help them move forward in this life However, do you have to know all of your past life memories or all of the pertinent past life memories in order to move forward? I personally do not feel that you do. If you don't remember anything, that's totally fine. If you have some type of trauma that you can't explain or some type of feeling that you can't explain, there are still tools that exist in this life, in this sphere that can help you move through those traumas without going and addressing a past life. And I want to say in it's in Celtic shamanism, like Celtic shamanism has this belief where you really don't need your past life knowledge at all. Like it all carries over into your soul, but all of the tools that you need to get through this life and learn the lessons you need to learn are in this life. So 
while it can be a cool experience to access past life memories and even a weird one, <laughs> like, it, is it absolutely necessary for you to make progress? No, it's not. You can absolutely learn all you need to learn and go all the places you need to go without knowing who past life you is. Now that was one very long and roundabout way of of talking about spontaneous remembering, which is where the original train started in talking about spontaneous remembering. When uh, I'd, I'd found the Eliza Beebe stuff, I'd put that to rest. I didn't really um, care at that point whether Eliza Beebe was me or not. Uh, at that point, I was good. I was. I felt like I was starting something new. However, I started having dreams of being in this place with wood floors um, and like that old-timey wood floor varnish and smelling that wood floor varnish and hearing the clank of boots on the floor. And I had this dream of being under a table and having that like a lace tablecloth hide me under the table and um, watching as, you know, woman's boots walked across the floor like seeing a woman walk across the floor but just her boots and it was like old-timey boots so we're talking 1800s and and then I had dreams of like walking out uh, out through the door and seeing a pasture in the morning and having there be mist on the pasture land or and, and knowing that there were cows there and just very vivid very vivid dreams of this place um, and then missing, missing that place so badly, but I'd never been there. So how can I miss a place that I've never been? And, uh, so that came through, you know, dreams and, and different meditations and visions, but mostly dreams. And there's a word for that. When you miss a place that you've never been, it's called Horiath. And, so I know I'm not the only person that has experienced that, if there's a word for it. So that is what would be considered spontaneous remembering. But how do I know that that was a part of past life stuff? Um, without making this episode just <laughs> incredibly long, <laughs> I I had a trip to New York in June. I wasn't necessarily planning on having it be some type of past life remembering confirmation but there were I there was one one day when I was in West I was in New York and I was with um a friend I'd met at the the conference that I was at and we were driving and I saw this pasture with the fog and the mist over it and like it just was like yeah that that's what I miss is the the New York mist on on the fields and the way that it settled and this was the first time I'd ever been to New York but then so that takes me back to you know am I spontaneously remembering remembering again this life where I was a pioneer where I loved my home in New York and so I'm longing for home. 
And does that explain also why I just still have a hard time settling where I am now? Because I'm longing for a home that that doesn't exist anymore. So there's some there's some stuff that comes when you remember past life stuff. It it's sometimes it can bring um some pain and sometimes it can bring uh some things that are not super fantastic, which is to answer another question, is there any time where uh, maybe you shouldn't look at past lives. And I would say absolutely there is a time when you shouldn't look at past lives. And that is if you have trouble just existing in this life, don't try and live in another one. Don't try and get answers in another one. You're trying to be in this one. This is the one that is important. Um, so I, I would say in the, in the same reason that we don't want to like live for heaven, like all of the theologies that say you want to do good things here so that you get to heaven. You're living now for the next life. Well, you don't want to live now for the last life either. You want to be present in the here and the now. Now, if while you are present in the here and the now, you have rememberings of past lives. Great. You move on from there. Sometimes it'll happen. I, I wasn't searching or looking necessarily for past life house. <laughs> um, it just came in, in a dream where it was like, I miss this place. I love this place. I know this place. And Harayath, which is longing for that place that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, I hope that I do find a place that feels like home. Um, because because of that dream, uh, those that series of dreams and going to New York and seeing the field and like, I, I don't necessarily want to live in New York. But now my I, I have this idea of home. And so it's going to be interesting if, if I have to to how I'm going to resolve that if I can find home and feel like home and feel settled without having hardwood floors from the 1800s <laughs> and boots that clink on them and lace that's out of style you know I, how do I resolve my longing for home and a home that doesn't exist in this life now so do you should you go look at past life stuff if you have trouble just existing in this one, I would say no. I would say focus on this one and be present here. So I'm just going to go ahead and move right into some questions so that, again, this episode doesn't get to be just outrageously long. Um, the next question is, how do you learn about past life relationships and how do those work? And so as far as how you learn about past life relationships, just all of the things we've talked about so far, so far, you know, there's regressions, there's spontaneous remembering, there's just knowing, all of those different things. And then you will find that uh, it's not uncommon for relationship types to change. So we do uh, seem to have soul families, meaning we reincarnate with the same people uh, throughout our lives. But that doesn't necessarily mean we always hold the same roles. So it could be sisters in one life, mother, daughter in the next life. Everybody seems to fill the the spot that's most needed for the lessons that everybody plans for this life. 
Um, and so that also means, you know, maybe it was a husband in one life and a brother in another. And I know that's a weird concept, but it seems like our roles here in life are just really earthly roles. Um, and we deal with genetics and bloodlines in this life uh, and in earth in general. However, our souls are eternal and we're one big giant family and the roles are actually fairly insignificant um, in our soul development. We are not, our, our soul growth and our soul existence is not determined by our relationships. Our soul growth is, is us. It's all us. And so relationships and family members and all of the people that we love, are they a part of every existence? Yes. Do the roles change? Yes, they do. That being said, sometimes I don't. I have done uh, readings where the person has had has been the mother with these children in multiple lives. And, and there is one, um, there's one reading I did where this woman like couldn't imagine having her son not be her son. And he, he died. And the reason that she couldn't imagine him not being her son is because basically in all the lives, he's her son. So sometimes relationships change and sometimes they don't. Either way, your relationships don't determine the existence and outcome of your soul. Your soul is your soul, and relationships are a part of Earth stuff. And the next question is, do people remember past lives when they leave this body and life? So basically, when you die, are you going to remember all of your past lives? Yes. Going back to the higher self concept, when you die, you know, you're connected to the higher self, you can even be, you know, merge into the higher self. And therefore you are this full consciousness that remembers all the places that you have been. So yes, when you die, um, you can then access all of your past lives. Next question is how many lives or how many past lives are typical? And what's the most you've heard of? And I've heard of a lot. I have done readings where they uh, li they had lives way back when, like, the pyramids were being built. And, like, when Jesus was on the earth, I there was this one time where I, I met this woman who just, she was so sad about not having um, priesthood ability in in the church. So she was at one point a member of the LDS church. And if you are a member, you know that women do not hold the priesthood. And she just was so sad about not holding the priesthood, but she was also so um, motivated to restore that for women, to help bring that to women. And when I saw her, she actually was surrounded by other women on the other side. So whether that's angels or guides, I saw her and I saw her surrounded by these other women. And part of why she was so sad about not having that was because she came from a time that um, women were seen as priestesses. And that time, I was like, well, what time was that? And it was way back when we're talking like Mary Magdalene, all of that type uh, or that time zone. So, um, 
people people have been around a long time. I I mean I've seen um, past life re- or I've done past life readings where they just they go from life to life to life to life to life to life with not a whole lot of time in between, like maybe a you know ten years to a hundred years in between, but they've been around for a couple thousand years, so that's a lot of lives. Um, but I've also seen you know noobs, <laughs> newbies. Uh, I did a reading for a trans woman and it was her first life. <laughs> she was brand new. Um, and that was the, that also just in general, when, when it came to LGBTQ plus, um, a lot of times people are like, well, am I gay because I was a different gender in the life before, or am I trans because I was that gender in the life before? Sometimes, but in this case, no, (laughs) it wasn't because she was, you know, a different gender in the life before. That is what she wanted to experience in this life, which was going to teach her how to be brave and sovereign and do the things that um, allowed her to follow her heart. Some really significant spiritual lessons through choosing to be a trans woman. So we... um, our, yes, can our genders change? Yep. Can we live a whole lot of lives? Yep. But there's also those who haven't lived very many. Um, so that's a great question. Next question. Um, how often is it to find past lives intersect with your DNA ancestry in this life? So that's going back into, you know, are you reincarnating in the same um family line? And the answer is sometimes yes, you are. And sometimes no, you're not. So it it really just depends on what's necessary and what your goals are and lessons are for this incarnation, what you want to learn. There are, I, I call maybe there a good term is soul surfer. I don't know. I have seen that, uh, there are some souls that bounce from line to line to line because they're really good at accomplishing certain things and breaking certain patterns in lines. And so they'll go from family line to family line to family line, and it, it, they are not incarnating in the same family line. Um, and their job is to kind of come in and let's correct course, let's let's fix some family patterns that are a little bit berserk here, let's just get back on, on track here. And then I also see those that have reincarnated in the same family line. In fact, they're like seven generations back and their line goes cattywampus and be, they come back to to straighten out and redirect the lines. So to, to clean up essentially what their descendants maybe messed up. <laughs> so I, I've seen both where they reincarnate in different lines and where they come back and they reincarnate in the same line. It just depends. DNA and ancestry is very much an earth thing because beyond earth and in the universe, we are all one giant family. So ancestral lines and our DNA and all of that, that is very much an earth thing. And next question, does the larger population correspond with more people currently here having a second, third, and fourth life experience, or is it in reverse? And so this question has to do with if Earth's population is getting bigger, 
Is that because there's more souls living multiple lives? Or, you know, the, the flip side is people say, well, how are how come Earth's population is getting bigger if it's just people like the same people coming back? And there's a couple different ways to look at that and a couple different answers for that. One of those answers is, yes, it could totally be because just more and more people are coming down and having their third, fourth, fifth lives. Um, there is most commonly, though, the reason is seen as um, the starseed theory. And this does get into pretty serious hippie woo-woo land. If you want more information on starseeds, you can look at books written by Dolores Cannon or YouTube videos um, that Dolores Cannon does. And there's a lot of other people that talk about starseeds. Starseeds are essentially souls that have existed in other galaxies that are coming to Earth to help Earth work through all its garbage, <laughs> basically. So they're seen as light workers that volunteer and come in to help raise the consciousness of Earth. And right now, like Earth is at this crucial turning point where we're either, you know, gonna destroy ourselves or we're gonna pull it together and lift consciousness. And so um, if you listen to Dolores Cannon's work, she says that there's, there's waves of volunteers, those who have mastered life lessons as earth souls that where they don't need to particularly come down again, but they do because they want to help. And there's also volunteers from other galaxies who are called starseeds, so souls that have lived in other places, the worlds without number theory, um, that come also to volunteer to help anchor light in. Now, are star seeds a thing? Is it possible that we are, one, getting more people that are incarnating and living multiple lives because they want to help? Or, you know, do we have souls coming from other galaxies? I, I usually take the position of if I haven't seen it, then I don't believe it yet. So have I done a reading that <laughs> makes it so that I believe in starseeds? Yes, I have. Um, I have done a reading and it came through that she was a starseed. For that particular reading, um, I, it was significant for a couple of reasons because one, it confirmed for me that, oh yeah, there's totally starseeds and two, oh yeah, there's totally guides. <laughs> so she came to me for just a general life reading and right away, as soon as I tuned into her, I saw this man who looked like a Polynesian man and, and it was like, nope, this is not a deceased relative. Who's this guy? <laughs> And the answer I got was that was her guide. And so I said, I just told her, I was like, I see a man, he's a Polynesian man, and he says he's your guide. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I know him. And and she knew his name, and I can't remember what his name was. And she she totally knew who this guy was and that it was her guide. So that was really interesting because that was the first time I'd ever actually seen a guide and then have someone say, oh yeah, no, that's my guide. 
but um, she she was having just kind of some general struggles around what do I do to help the world kind of stuff. In general, she was just an amazing human. Like reading her energy stretched mine. Um, so that was like her vibration and the energy of her body released all it like pulled and tugged at all of the things in my body that were unhealthy and brought them to the surface so it's like being around her like forced me to clear up my stuff is the best way I can describe it but when she asked about her purpose what I saw was the stars like I saw this wheel of stars which for me the wheel of stars when I see that symbol that's astrology and so I saw her looking at this wheel of stars and having it not make sense. And so then the guide, the Polynesian looking man, said, you know, stop looking to the stars for your purpose or for everything because you're not from this galaxy. These set of stars are not the stars that essentially are um, guiding your soul. You're from this solar system over here which has its own set of stars and that's the stars that you're running on. So quit looking at astrology because that's not your star system. And for me, that was very interesting <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but for her, it made sense. It's something she said she'd always felt. And for me, it also made sense because she wasn't like the normal humans that I read. And she is human. Like, she's in a human body. It's not like she's not a human. She's not an alien. Her soul has just been around a few universes. So, as far as why is Earth getting, Earth population getting larger? But, you know, is our why? And there's a few different answers to that. One is starseeds. One is people coming down for multiple incarnations and two there are newbies there are new souls that come in uh, as well so a few different reasons i do want to remind you that if it sounds too weird and you don't want to go there just understand you don't have to believe all the things whatever feels right you can keep whatever doesn't toss it out because some of these answers are uh very hippie woo woo land and it's totally fine if you're like, yeah, that's too weird for me. I get it. It's totally fine. This next question is, I've heard people say crazy theories about how we can live multiple lives at one time. Like I could be incarnated into two different bodies on the same timeline because time doesn't exist, which seems so out there, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I have thoughts. Uh, first is the idea of having basically your, yourself being incarnated into two different bodies at the same time on the same timeline, that um, kind of falls under the twin flame category. And as far as how in general this would work, I think it has less to do with time being cyclical rather than linear and more to do with just in general, our souls are these big beings of consciousness and when we are in our bodies it's just a very small piece of that consciousness 
So you can have multiple pieces of consciousness being expressed in the form of a human body at the same time is the theory. Um, Have I met people who have met their twin flames? Yes, Uh, two people so far. And they say when they have met their twin flames, it's almost like it's a major mind shift, (laughs) a major shift of all things. And it's like they can recognize the person immediately. The person feels like themselves and they can like read minds with each other. And it's just like really out there. I have met two people who have, have done that and have said they've met their twin flame. A twin flame is essentially another expression of yourself and your soul. Um, But it all stems from the higher self or the greater consciousness or the bigger um, super consciousness of your soul. Uh, As far as that being on the same timeline, yeah, I mean, twin flames are on the same timeline. And, uh, but the theory with um, multiple incarnations being at the same time has to do with the theory that time isn't linear, it's cyclical. So like everything is happening at the same time, like the pyramids are being built at the same time as you're living today. It's just on the other side of the wheel. That's a whole rabbit hole that I'm not going to get into. And that's a really mind boggling rabbit hole. Um, So I think the most important thing is the, if we can exist in multiple places at the same time, how is that possible? That's possible because of your super consciousness and you just being like a little, every body that you're in is just a, a piece of this greater super consciousness that is you. I hope that makes sense because that is a lot of woo-woo stuff and a lot of different theories condensed into something very small and short. Okay, and so next question. Can you unintentionally revisit a specific moment or event from a past life? And how can you determine if it's a past life experience or something else? Also a great question. Uh, As far as unintentionally revisiting, yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily plan on finding... Everything that I've had happen to me as far as past life stuff or rememberings, I, I didn't plan on. I wasn't really even looking for them. It was just stuff that kind of happened. And then, you know, with Christina, same thing with her, like from the last episode, she wasn't necessarily planning or looking for stuff, but she's had several moments where it's like, oh, I've been here or this is a repeat. And and so, yeah, you can. A lot of times I think it does happen unintentionally, which is why it's called spontaneous remembering. Um, And as far as how you can determine if it's a past life experience or something else, I mean, that's intuition and that's having a really weird friend (laughs) who's weird like you (laughs) who can confirm. I mean, uh, there's, you know, and that's going and getting a past life reading and seeing, you know, this happened to me. Is this a past life thing or something else? So as far as determining whether or not it's something else, you can also ask yourself if it matters. If this is a past life something, does it matter? If it's not a past life thing, so does it matter? What am I supposed to be learning from this event? And why is this event significant? And whether or not it has to do with past life 
stuff, you know, you might not need to determine if it's from past life stuff to understand the lesson that you're supposed to be learning from that event. Okay, and we're at the second to last question, which is, well, let's see where it takes us. If you believe in past lives and you believe in one's ability to have part of the higher self plugged into simultaneous lives or experiences at the same time, is there a limit to how many higher selves may be contributing to a single experience? So basically, can you combine two higher selves into one body or like even though they're or like two souls experiencing the same thing? I would like to say I act, I don't know. I haven't seen that. Does that mean it doesn't exist at this point? I don't know. I know enough to say I don't know all the things. I have not seen yet multiple consciousnesses in one body or two higher selves in one body. Now, the root of this question is, why do so many people claim to be Cleopatra or Elvis? Is there legitimacy to all their claims or are some people just wrong? So why do people say they're famous people or they so many people claim to be the same dead person? And that kind of, I think, goes back to the very beginning where we talk about false memories, where your brain can totally create stories that are not correct. Um, And so while, yes, we want to trust our intuition, usually there's a reason people want to be somebody famous, like it has something to do with their ego and they want to explain why they're struggling in some way or why they search for something or why they seek this or just they're looking for an explanation and filling that explanation in with stories like oh well I was you know a famous person back then and so that would make sense why I'm this way now. I think that now I do want to have an open-minded answer to that question though other than you're wrong. (laughs) Because I don't think, um, I I think that the universe is amazing. And there are many things we have yet to see and learn. And so if there were a, an open minded answer that doesn't involve putting two souls in one, um, I would say it would have more to do with unity consciousness, in that you have the source of creation of the universe and for me how I see that is this big bright light in the middle of the universe and then there's like pixie dust that comes out of this big bright light in the middle of the universe and everybody has this pixie dust but when when we want to connect with each other it's like we connect with that pixie dust and everybody else and so it all comes from the same place And so we are all connected in some way. And I think because we all stem from the same source, the same source of creation, could we then pick up on someone else's experience and not understand that it's not our experience, it's someone else's? Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time with empathy and with empaths, where they walk into a room and they experience anxiety all of a sudden, but they were fine before, but they're not experiencing their anxiety. It's someone else's anxiety. And so I would say that if that is a possibility, uh, that that would more be how that happens. That being said, again, I don't know for sure. So this is all theory. 
And I look forward to hopefully someday having a more clear answer, but that's where we are right now. And for our final question, the last question is, what if you do a past life regression and you see nothing? And that is also a great question. I would say there's a few possibilities. And my favorite possibility is that you're brand new and that this might be your first time around. So that's one possibility. The second possibility is a lot of the time that hypnosis and that regression, um, it's accessing the right side of your brain and the creative center of your brain. And if you're not used to being right brain stuff or if you've had like a brain injury or for whatever reason, right side of your brain um, doesn't allow you to fully go into hypnosis or you have trouble with your pineal gland. So you have trouble um, picturing images. Um, those are also reasons where it's just you, you do have to work with your brain. Um, and so if there's some type of issue where you want to just practice um, seeing images in your brain and working your creative side uh, so that maybe when or even meditation, um, just getting into that more right brain zone, that can be another reason. Um, the other thing is what I've learned in doing past life readings is that you typically will not get past life information that isn't pertinent to your life right now. So sometimes people will ask for past life information, like they'll want a past life reading, and I'll get very limited information because their past life or whatever it is that happened in their past lives really isn't pertinent to this life right now. So we're not going to get all confused in all the lessons and all of the different things and get caught up in the stories. We're going to focus on the here and now. And so we don't get the information that we don't need. And so that's also another reason. And that's also, I think, what I'm going to close with and say that you don't have to see what happened before to know what, what and where you need to be right now. Everything you need is right here. And so I would encourage you, just like you don't want to live for the future, don't live for the past. Live for the here and now. Be here and be present. If you're curious about your past lives, you can be curious. Sometimes we're curious for a reason. Sometimes we're curious because there's some detail we would need to see. Sometimes it is purely entertainment and the joy of connection. Sometimes it's for a lesson and clarity and to help us see a pattern. And sometimes it's confirmation to let us know we're on the right path. There's all sorts of different reasons and whatever the reason just understand that the most important thing is to connect it to the here and now. Be present here and now. And on that note, I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for listening. My mother-in-law told me I should have a catchphrase, which, uh, do I want a catchphrase? I don't know. If I were to have a catchphrase, it would be the universe is amazing because I do use that all the time. So because my mother-in-law said I should have catchphrase. I will close with, thank you for listening. The universe is amazing, and I'll see you next time.